Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy J.O. here in the place to be. Rest of the crew is off for this Sunday as we're starting to get ready for kids getting ready to go back to school within the next couple of weeks, some of them virtually, some of them in person, actually, as hard as that is to believe in. As summer continues to start to wind down, a lot of things are starting going on. But shout, shout out to the rest of the crew, the DET, and of course to our boy Damo out there doing their thing. Hopefully we'll have them back on another review full out. But we got me and J.O. here in a place to be. And we are going to, of course, take you back in time like we always do. Our motto here at the Vault Classic Music Reviews is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And a shout out once again to our fans who during our week off continued to keep things going kept spreading the word we saw the numbers still moving even without a week of activity things got a little crazy for your boy at the job so i cannot interact with people and do things on social media as much as i could but thank y'all for continuing to spread the word we do it here all here for you and jay what we are doing is going back to 30 years in time and going back to farmers boulevard and st albums in queens in new york city and 30 years that's crazy yeah and we are going to none other than James Todd Smith, also known as LL Cool J, in his fourth studio album, Mama Said Knock You Out, released August 28th, 1990, recorded between 1989 and 1990, produced mostly by the legendary DJ Molly Mall of the Juice Crew, of Queensbridge, of anything else that you could think about him. He did the production on this, was a bit of a surprise that LL linked up with Molly Maul on this, but a welcome surprise at that. Recorded at his House of Hit Studios in Chestnut Ridge and also was recorded at Chung King House of Metal in New York City. Runtime of 61 minutes and 36 seconds on, of course, Def Jam and Columbia Records. Producers also on this were LL Cool J and one of LL Cool J's two DJs, DJ Bobcat, Bobby Bobcat Irving. They made up the production team of this album of 14 tracks with a runtime of 61 minutes and 36 seconds. Now, this is largely looked here, Jay, as LL's Cool J's comeback album. <laughs> and everybody knows the famous first line from the title track where he says, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy because this album only came out a year after his third album, Walking with the Panther. And while that album was very successful, it was considered to be a disappointment on many different levels. And we'll get into that in just a second. But 30 years ago for LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out, considered to be his comeback album. And this was released at the end of the summer in 1990. Now, at this point, Jay, we sort of take a look at what LL Cool J's standing was in hip hop. He had been involved in the game since he was about 15 or 16 years old. He was still a teenager when radio, his debut came out in 1985. And to me, as we discussed a little bit before on our podcast about the discussion of the disappearance of hip hop groups as time is going on, to me, he is he along with Curtis Blow are 
two of the first solo rap stars when it comes to hip hop and to, and when it comes to mainstream success, I really think he was the first main crossover solo rap star in hip hop. And it was largely because of how great his content was. He was on Def Jam and he was label mates with some of the other best acts in the game along with Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. And he also was a also on the tour but for, uh, with Run DMC and Beastie Boys opening up with them. But he really was the best, big first rap solo star in history. Curtis Blow was a big one, but I think the appeal of LL on the crossover side with the big hits that he had really kind of made him the first solo rap star out there. Before KRS-One, before you heard of Rakim or Big Daddy Kane, he really was sort of out there before any single one of them. He was just a young, youngster when he first started. Yeah, man, it definitely made it that much more special. Like, I mean, even like back then with hip-hop, I don't want to say being in its infancy, but I mean, I guess you could say his adolescence. Yeah. And for him to, I'm saying, just like be a teenager when he dropped and have the impact he did up through even now, like, you know, I mean, it's almost like you say he's probably like the most successful teenage rapper, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. For him to go like from there and like him being well into adulthood, even up to like the nineties, like you know, with um phenomenon four through two one remix, how he had that beef with cannabis and yeah, you know what I mean? Just like he just like really came full full fledged, like, you know what I mean? So yeah, definitely impressive. And just the fact just the fact that he was into his third album by this fourth album, I'm sorry, as far as by this time and like, you know, for it to be just for it to be as like nice as it was and is, but I just really like have to sit back sometime and think about the impact of LL's career and how far he's come. It's like, wow, like, you know, he's really one of the goats. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I saw a list. <laughs> this was like a bono about two weeks, two months ago, right? Mm. So this is one of the reasons why I hate the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and in particular why I hate social media and stuff like Twitter. So somebody came up with the list. I don't know who it was, what site it was, or who came up with this list. But when they had the greatest rappers of all time, LL Cool J wasn't in the top 10. He wasn't in the top 20. He wasn't in the top 30. You want to know where he was on this list? 40. Huh. He's at top 40? Top 40. He was number 40. He was number 40 on the list. So I sat there and I I thought to myself, I said, hold on. There's actually 30 rappers out there better all time than LL Cool J? Like, are there 30 more rappers better than him? Like... (laughs) I mean, because if, if, as I like to say, as far as not just his success commercially and also what he's done, lyrically what he's done, and the impact he's had on the culture, he's definitely has to be within your top 10 or 15 of all time. Anybody. And that's being subjectively looking at it. He has to be one of your best top, top 10 or 15 rappers of all time. I said, there's no way in hell there are 30 other rappers out there all time who are better than him can't be Wait, so who do they who do they rank better than who like do you know any of the ones that were ranked better than ll like anyone you call by name you know what bro i don't even know because the minute that i saw that they said that they had him ranked for you on the list i said i don't even need to look at this list anymore <laughs> but i could but i could i could only imagine who they did and maybe i could we could look it up after we record this but it's <laughs> it's crazy but when you when you think about that though and his impact like you said on the culture and you know the fact that the iconic hip hop songs you hear about with radio, with rock the bells, with I'm bad, <laughs> you know, even songs like I have, I need love. By the time we got into the golden era of hip hop, which by many people, especially the older heads, folks older than us who remember hip hop when, as you said, was in its adolescence was between 1986 and 1990. And uh, by the time that time came around, he was definitely, when it came to solo acts, one of the biggest five rap stars in the game. 
yeah, the first two albums he had, Radio and Bigger and Deffer, definitely put him out there and only lifted his status amongst the rap acts in the industry. And the bigger that Def Jam got, he was still their probably their biggest solo star, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, he was their biggest solo star for the better part of a decade <laughs> before anyone else would come around. So, and then in 1989 comes around with Walking with the Panther. Here's the big <laughs> discussion when it comes to Walking with the Panther, right? It's a really interesting title for an album. <laughs> and the cover is a very interesting cover as well. Now, right. there were a lot of hits in Walking with the Panther. Absolutely. There was I'm that type of guy. I'm going back to Cali, Big Old Butt, the original Jingling Baby. And but it was a long album. It was a runtime of 84 minutes on cassette, 76 minutes on CD and 67 minutes on LP. <laughs> That's a long album. There were a lot of tracks on this album. And this album was produced uh, by it was mostly self-produced. But then it was Dwayne Simon, some producing by Rick Ruman, some by the Bomb Squad, some by DJ Cut Creator. But it wasn't what they were used to hearing with Rick Rubin producing his first couple of re- releases, largely. And then while it did well and sold a lot of records, the critics and the hip hop industry kind of panned it because they was like, yo, this ain't. Yo, this is, was the Wonderkin, like the kid who helped to bring hip hop into the commercial industry. This is a star like, nah, man. So then the conversations that started to go around the LL fell off <laughs> after walking with a Panther. Hence the reason why they said that this was his comeback album. Now, LL paired up with Marley Mall. I mean, you know, Marley Mall's work, you know what he's done. I and mean, he's produced a lot of stuff with the Juice Crew. Just to talk about some of the things that he did, he produced a majority of Eric B. and Rakim's Paid in Full. He also produced Craig G.'s The Kingpin, Big Daddy Kane's Long Live the Kane, Biz Marquis Going Off, Cool G Rap and DJ Polo's Road to Riches, MC Shan's Down by Law and Born to Be Wild, and also Roxanne Shantae's Bad Sister. In addition, I would also venture to say that he was probably one of rap's first super producers. Like if there was such a thing back in those days, he was definitely one of the first super producers because he influenced a lot of the producers that we looked up to Pete rock, Primo RZA, you know, a lot of Mad Lib, a lot of producers look back and how come back to Marley mall. But this was the answer to have to come back with an album that was going to hit hard. He needed some beats and things to sort of come back with to sort of let folks know that he wasn't playing. And this is what he did. He brought Molly Mall on, uh, Bobcat Irvin as well, to be able to do some things. And this album needed to be able to hit hard. It really led to a path for help to help to resolidify who he was and the star that he had within the music game. And it really showed that he still had staying power, despite the fact that in between that time where he was releasing his albums, you had like big rap stars start to emerge from both coasts. And then <laughs> the culture was starting to grow outside of New York city. It wasn't just, you know, New York's you started to see the culture start to develop in the South. It started to develop in Texas. It started to develop on the West coast. So it wasn't just like he had this game all to himself and people were looking at, Oh, you know, it's LL Cool J. You know, he had some competition, his big thing. Hence the title of the album. When he got criticized, he said, as his grandmother told him that oh baby, you just need to knock him out. hence the title for the song and also the title for the album but we're going to get into reactions so jay this both came out when we were relatively young um i did not hear this album until i was 
I would say in full, probably not until a few years ago. I had heard many of the singles on here, but I didn't listen to the album in full until I think maybe I downloaded it on something like Kazaa or LimeWire or one of those <laughs> file sharing networks or something. But just what, what was your reaction and be able and listening to it and then also reviewing it for this past week? What's your thoughts on it as far as in regards to LL's career as you've seen it in full as a rap artist? Yeah, so like, I mean, I didn't actually cop the album back then either. I mean, I think I was like, I think I just turned nine when this came out. So mm-hmm. like, I was aware of hip hop, but like, I wasn't like running to get an LL Cool J album. I mean, even though I was rocking with him, but like, it wasn't to that level. I, I was able to go to like, you know, Sam Goody or The Wiz or whatever and cop it myself. So mm-hmm. yeah, so like, listen to, because I remember the songs that came out back then. I always thought, you know, Round the Way Girl was smooth and like, Mama said, knock you out, just like get you hype. It was like a cool thing to run around saying, you little, I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> the booming system. I mean, I always, I, I heard like, I mean, I had heard people like blast Nick. You really have to listen to it like on a system, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Your car and the house or whatever to, to really get the full effect. But back then, I mean, those singles, I thought, I thought they were dope. But now listen to it, like reviewing it this past week. I mean, it was really well put together. I really felt it was well put together. I felt you know, it's like a like you were saying earlier, a testament to Marley Marl's production, and I could really see like trying to like think of like how I had this mentality of my, or how my mentality towards producers would, would have been back then. Yeah, I definitely see Marley Marl's influence, and um, even lyrically, as far as um, I don't I don't really know if people really talk about like LL's influence too, because I think I heard a couple lines in there that Jay Z might have used. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know, I know, there's a whole I'm a, I'm a biter thing, which, but I mean, it kind of extends beyond Biggie and Pac, but it like does. even LL too. Yeah. And also along with that, I mean, even I could even hear like you know a joint in there that uh, that Big L actually used on on the enemy on uh, on his joint that was on um, the Big Picture album. I don't know if you remember that when it came out after he was murdered. Yeah, definitely. Uh huh. The joint with him and Fat Joe. See, so yeah, I heard that first. Matter of fact, it was on the track Illegal Search. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't sell co- I don't do it anymore. I do tools. Tours. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I was like, oh wait, I heard L say that joint. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just really shows like you know the influence LL had and how he just put everything together, but. No, even like now, I really I was really pleasantly surprised. I think it holds up pretty well. So yeah, yeah that's my whole take on it. Yeah, see, my thing with this is, as I've mentioned many times on this show before, is that one of the good things about having older sisters and older cousins is that you get a mm-hmm. chance to listen to albums. And I didn't listen to this in full back then, but LL was popular, and he was popular with my sisters because. Hence his name. I mean, come on. That's the reason why one of the biggest reasons why he's commercially successful because women like him because they find him attractive and men like him because back in that time, he represented something that a lot of men wanted to be. A lot of guys wanted to be like LL. I mean, to be quite honest, but the big thing about here is of course, when I was younger, the the singles mama said, knock you out. I remember listening to that. And when I was in, you know, third and fourth grade, being able to recite some of the lines and stuff like that. And that chorus, which was cool to walk around saying something like that. Uh, Around the Way Girl was, of course, another popular one. It's still something now that you listen to it 30 years later. And mm-hmm. when they go into those old school hip hop mixes, like I'm listening now to my, I'm listening to 102.3. Hint, this is just another reason for my DMV folks. You know how old you are is when mm-hmm. you're regularly listening to 96.3 and 102.3 and they're playing the songs that you grew up with. <laughs> so that's a, that just right. shows you how old you are, right? That's what happens yeah, like, when you're listening to the old school, <laughs> old school stations and they're playing old school hip hop of stuff that you grew up with when you were a kid and a teenager. Yeah, you're old. You're starting to get old. Like around yeah. the way, girl. And when you hear those mixes, you hear that song a lot, man. Like on those old school hip hop mixes. And I got to say something to that too. Like, um, 
as far as like you know showing how old you are like and i think i put this on facebook a while ago when i heard nothing but a g thing on like 102.3 i was like dude what the hell <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> because that would have been unheard of when we were in school right to think right. that and then 20 something years after that song came out almost 30 years after that song came out you're going to be hearing it on 102.3 when you when you were in elementary school you was listening to like the stylistics and Luther Vandross and Anita Baker and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then, like, and then it made me think about something else, too. Like, this might have been, like, in the final days of Rap City, I guess you could say. Like, when I was younger, like, teenage years, I used to hate old school Wednesdays on Rap City. But then, like, towards the end, like, they start playing drinks I was rocking with, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, damn, seriously? We, we had this age? I think I was still in my 20s, and that's what, that's what was yeah. crazy about it. Yeah, in those last days of Rap City, man. Yeah. And and even like 106 and Park, I mean, we I think, yeah, we was already in college by the time that joint came out, but they would say, they would play like, they would have their old school Wednesdays. And mind you, this was like 2000, mm-hmm. but then they play like The Rain by Missy Elliott, which had only come out like three years prior. Yeah, I know, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just goes, kind of goes to speak when you think about stuff like that. So whenever I hear like those old school hip hop mixes and I hear that, you know, round the way girl. And I'll get to booming system in a second, but, mm-hmm. and we want to talk about like, yo, like you said, you, that's, when we talk about songs that you got to play on a system. This has got to be a song that you play on a system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence the title of the song. It really was to me, one of the good choices to put a song like this on this album. And that is a song to me that has endured for almost 30 something years that that sample that came from that song, which is uh, part from En Vogue and part from James Brown, which they both sampled, but mm-hmm. it's a it's an awesome track. And like you said, you got to play that in the system. Listening to it this upcoming week, and then also after listening to Radio and Bigger and Deffer, and then listening to Walking with the Panther, to me, and considering some of the projects that came out in this year, I really think it was par for the course. If you think some of the other ones that we re- released. So far this year, that came out in 1990. You think about Poison. We did Eric B. and Rock Kim's Let the Rhythm Hit Him. We did Funky Technician by Lord Finesse. Eventually, some other ones will do, like, you know, One for All for uh, Brand Nubian. This really does stand out along the best ones that came out this year. And for me, this is definitely one of the best that LL has put out. And we talk about, we were talking about catalogs. Actually, me and Jay were talking about that new Nas album that just dropped, that uh, King's Disease. And I told him that I think it's within the top half of his catalog, probably on the back half of that top half of the catalog, but I think it's there. So this is definitely within LL's top half of his catalog. And as we saw later on in his career, LL got very consistent when it came to the quality of his albums. <laughs> like as Kill said, my uh, my guy Kill from a Department 5B podcast said that LL got into a pattern where every other album was a hit. And then every the ones, you know, and then the ones in between were misses. <laughs> it's hmm. sort of like the the thing that you got. He had Walking with a Panther. This was a hit. Next one with 14 shots to the dome. Eh, not yeah, so much, about, you know. Yeah, so. I was about to say that. <laughs> Which so, led up the LL's second comeback on yeah, Flavor Year remix. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, no, definitely. So it's just, um, that's really what I thought about it. Like you said, a really well put together album. Marley Marlon and his production techniques, using that Roland TR-808, the sampling and everything else, really well put together. Um, it just kind of shows, though, that at that point when LL wasn't using Rick Rubin to produce as much anymore, that he needed to be able to find a producer that could put together beats and the style on an album that could really highlight his strengths. And I thought they did that well on this. 
30 years afterwards, I'm still hearing songs like this and I still, they still make me feel a certain type of way. And to me, as far as like when it comes to LL, these are like one of the two or three projects I mentioned when it comes to him as far as his staying power. So now we're going to get into highlights and lowlights to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and to sort of give some of the things that really stood out to us on this project. So I'll start with you, Jay. You mentioned a few of the tracks, man, but if you could just go into a little bit more of your highlights as far as what you liked and what stood out to you and anything you might not have liked when you listened to it this past week. Yeah, highlights I would probably say, like, yeah, Boomer System, Roundaway Girl, uh, Mama Said Knock You Out, of course, and, like, um, really appreciate it now, like, the cleverness of the giant Milky cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know what I mean? Just, like, the metaphorical aspects of it he broke down on there. I don't know if I really have any lowlights for this album, to be honest, man. Like, mm-hmm. but I mean, are, there are tracks like I appreciate now more than back then, especially like you know, have had life experiences like you know, illegal search, yeah, and with everything going on now, like you know, with the police and everything, or I shouldn't say going on now, but it's more something brought to light now. Mm-hmm. But I think with police brutality and profiling and everything like that, um, the joint murdergram, like. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like just the lyrical display that LL just like brought an onslaught of and it's out on this song. So like Yeah. To the break of dawn, like, you know what I mean? And um yeah, that joint, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I gotta put that on there. That uh, joint, man. Yeah. Cheesy rap blues. So like yeah, but I I really can't say I have any low lights on this album. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like everything just hit for me. Yeah. To me, highlights, man. Just to open the album with Bowman System. <laughs> <laughs> Booming System is probably, when it comes to my top five favorite LL, well, first of all, on this album, there are at least three of my favorite LL tracks of all time on this. And Booming System is definitely one of them. And because that sample, and to think that earlier that year, En Vogue used that exact sample from that James Brown funky drummer track and yeah. used it for their hit Hold On, which is one of their signature hits of their career. Then in the same exact year for LL Cool J and Marley Maul to sample that, and then not only sample that track with Funky Drummer and Hold On, but then to also sample that line in Cheesy Rap Blues, which gave you the, song, the, the sample in the hook. Cars ride by with the booming system. <laughs> it's really clever for them to take a sample of a song within the album to make a hook for a song in the album. <laughs> There's not. There are a couple of producers that have done that before that have taken samples from tracks that appear later in the album but really cleverly done and then just that those drums just just continually hit and then that sample and then that bass line and it really like you said you got to have a system to sort of play that and you could only just kind of imagine right the great cars that they had back then you know and the systems that they would have there was an episode of that 12 Kyle did with Eclectic where they did the best hip hop songs in summer. Eclectic has this as one of his songs that reminded him of summer. And he said he just thought about, you know, being in his car with his windows down and the song blasting from the system. But that's one of my favorite LL songs. The next one other than that is Around Away Girl, because that's one of those signature LL tracks that you get that you always remember because it's a nice, fun track. It's a radio friendly track. And it's kind of a song that will kind of maintain as time goes along. Now, other standout tracks that I love on here, the the hook was a little, you know, crazy with the way he was saying chill, but mm-hmm. Eat Em Up L was actually a lyrical standout on this for me. Murder Graham yeah. live at Rap Mania was another lyrical standout on this for me. As we talked about to the break of dawn, like this is the reason why LL to me, I think you got to put him in your top <laughs> in the top rappers of all time. He didn't diss one rapper in here. 
He didn't diss two. He dissed three rappers into the break of dawn, which makes uh-huh. this to me one of the standout diss records of all time. Because sometimes in a diss record, you have to focus your attention and your energy on one rapper. There are some diss records out there that diss multiple rappers, hence Blueprint, Ether. Um, you also had, uh, you know, uh, The Bitch in You by, uh, by Common, also diss multiple rappers. There's a lot of them out there. Ice Cubes, No Vaseline, diss multiple rappers. He dissed the whole crew, actually. His own crew, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> but to me, to, to, to take three rappers completely unrelated to each other, who we had beefs with, and completely destroyed every single one of them in each verse of this song. Like, it's, it's crazy. That was a lyrical standout on this one, too. Illegal search, like you said, because of all the stuff that's going on now, we, you just sit there and stop and say, it's the same type of stuff we always talk about. The fact that he's successful and the cops assume that he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. And as you stated, Big L taking that line, you know, I don't sell coke anymore. Or, well, Big L says, I don't sell Coke anymore. I do tours. tours. And he's just saying, I don't sell Coke, Coke. I do tours. And the fact that he gets arrested, he gets off, and it makes the cops mad. Again, another standout track here. I thought it was interesting with Farmers Boulevard, our anthem, because they had some rappers that were featured on this. Uh, the only rappers who were featured on this were Big Money, Grip, Bomb, and HIC. Cheesy Rap Blues, I thought, was really interesting stylistically because... It talked about what happens when you don't have money and how people tend to disappear and all the good things that are going for you that nobody wants to mess with you when you're broke. And a lot of us know about that, unfortunately, nowadays. Milky Cereal, I have to agree with you on there. Metaphorically, you know, some people might look at it and say it's a little corny, but when you sit back and listen to it and listen to the context of which he's painting with the different brands of cereal that he mentions – it's like it's really cleverly done and it does take a lot of creativity to be able to make something like that done. Like I said, I could see how some people could listen to it and say, oh, it's corny. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know if there's a lot of rappers that could pull that off, especially of his quality. Now, you go to some of the other tracks on here. Uh, Jingling Baby is another one. That's another standout LL track. That's something that we hear all the time now as well. He actually did a track on this on Walking with the Panther, but he remixed this and uh, it was to me, a well-done track. It isn't the one of the best LL tracks out there, but it's definitely a party starter. <laughs> when you're in an old-school jam, this is definitely one of the ones that you'll hear. As far as any lowlights on here, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of Six Minutes of Pleasure. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. I think one of the things when I was listening to, and I listened to this about four four times this week, let's coming up to the review, I really didn't didn't really do much for me you know like it didn't really hit like when i listened to murder graham or when i listened to mama said knock you out or when i listened to to the break of dawn and legal search it didn't really hit me like that and it was just like hmm if there was anything to me that i think that was a little bit out of place i think that would have been it it's like one of the big complaints about walking with the panther is that there was way too many love ballads and love songs on there and to me i think this probably would would have been served better on that album than it would have been on this album. But, I mean, it's okay. It's just, I mean, to me, I think the other tracks, it's not at the level to where the other tracks are as regards to the intensity. Because I think there, there's a theme when you listen to this album as far as when it comes to intensity that you get listening to this album. And to me, that one doesn't really have the intensity. I mean, The Power of God doesn't have that intensity either. But I, I think that one's okay. But 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, not really a lot of lowlights. That's my only thing that I would have to say about, about the album is that I think that one is just a little, it's a little out of place, you know. But so, but, like, like more of a more of a filler then? Or? Yeah, I'd say this is definitely one of the a filler track on here. It's almost as like to me personally, if he could have left out six minutes of pleasure. I think this album would have been, I mean, it doesn't bring the album down, but I think if they would have left it out, then it's been like, all right, cool. I still wouldn't have changed my opinion about this album at all if it wouldn't have been on there. That's just my opinion, hmm. you know, but, but gotcha. really, but really great work. The production on here is outstanding. Marley Marl, this particular time was heading into, uh, into the nineties where he didn't do as much work into the nineties. He was definitely still involved in the culture, but heading into this and linking up with LL Cool J um, really kind of was, sort of his comeback album. And then I think in a way it kind of served as Marley Maul's comeback album as well, because he hadn't really produced for anybody, um, at least within the last few years. And then that was a, a first major album he had produced since at least 1988. And I think it kind of served both of them well, because I think they both needed it at the time. LL definitely needed it to help silence his critics. And I think Marley Maul needed to remind people exactly who he was. Cause even we talked about LL, the rap stars that started to emerge during that time, all the producers that started to emerge during that time as well. I mean, you get the emergence of Lodge Professor. You had the emergence of the Bomb Squad. Uh, you had uh, definitely um, producers starting to emerge like DJ Quick and Dr. Dre and uh, and so many other producers around the country. And I think Molly Maul sort of needed this as well to sort of put him back into consciousness of some people. But again, it's a nice blend and mix of party tracks of you know lyrical tracks um stylistically and creatively some really good tracks as well and you know i i just to me not a really a lot of low lights just one thing that i would sort of i would like to omit but that was pretty much it though yeah, well i guess like everything else yeah i guess everything else for me was just so good i kind of like just let that just ride you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it wasn't like i got to that jam, I was like oh hell no so just just this got to go somewhere else it should have been left on the cutting room floor it wasn't <laughs> like that for me right you know what i mean so yeah no nah, i definitely i definitely understand that because, you know, we listened to some LL albums a little bit later on, and there were a lot of tracks that we would listen to on some of these albums. Like, to me, some of the whole albums should have been left on, left on the cutting floor, honestly. Yes, but, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but no, definitely, uh, to me, it's not really anything that brought the album down at, at all. So now we're going to get into notable quotables, and I have one in particular that I want to mention. But, Jay, did you have one for notable quotables you wanted to point out? And this was on Murdergram, so let me just get down to mm, it right here. Yeah, that's one of the best ones on there. You get cooked, I knock out your tooth. We'll be fighting from the lobby to the roof. You on me like I wrote your dinner time. Your mother, what's up? Spill the time. Nah, man, just kicking a little warm. Past the brass knuckles, let me break his jaw. When I'm on the microphone, I want silence. Let Karis one stop the violence. I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now Murdergram, he definitely gets it in that whole song. My notable quotable comes from To the Break of Dawn. And <laughs> in verse two, when he's talking about MC Hammer, <laughs> he says, Immaculate styles I, li- I use to abuse MCs to like the fuse and spread the news you lose. To the damager, microphone manager, cold crust and bruise and bandage and the amateur, the amateur swinging the hammer from a body bag. So run and get your camera, get a flick of the stiff dead shots to get swift. But I'm the wrong brother to dance with because I don't need a partner to swing. Keep your eyes on the cool J ring. Shooting the gift, but you just don't shoot right. You couldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. <laughs> Wouldn't <laughs> throw a rock in the ghost town. So don't try to play post clown. You know the LL's back in town. All the wannabe sheriffs is getting shot down. Give me the microphone. I'm going to show you the real meaning of the danger zone. Stop dancing. Get to walking. 
Shut your out mouth when young folks is talking. Huh, you little snake in the grass. You swing a hammer but couldn't break a glass. <laughs> Give me a lighter. Woof. Now you cut loose from that jerry curl juice. Cool J is back on the map, and when I see you, I'm going to give you a slap. <laughs> That's right, a little kick for that crap, because my old gym teacher ain't supposed to rap. <laughs> Out of any one of the verses on there, I actually think he went at him the hardest with MC Hammer. The first verse about Cool D is, Kumo D is, yeah. That's 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 hard. The third verse about Ice T is hard, but that verse with Hammer though, the lines you couldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight, and the fact that <laughs> you swing a hammer but you couldn't break a glass. I mean, it's <laughs> the fact that you ne- give me a lighter woof. Now you cut loose from that Jerry Curl juice, and the fact that he said that's right, a little kick for that crap because my old gym teacher ain't supposed to rap. <laughs> And that's wild because what makes this even wilder for me is the fact that I don't know if you saw that DJ Vlad interview and, you know, people have their feelings about Vlad, whatever. But that interview that Vlad had about Repman, how Repman said he made a trip to over to the West Coast and he was at some show or whatever. And how somebody had like disrespected Hammer and Hammer had his dogs to get on dude. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, even Redman was like, yo, I ain't realized Hammer had it like that. He was just like, he just said, yo. He was like, yes, Hammer, that can't touch this. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him, Hammer. Yes, that Hammer. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And Redman said he was legitimately shook. Like, yo. Um, I, I've definitely heard stories like that about Hammer, though. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and I've definitely heard Hammer got ties. Like, in the or like, you know, he got ties. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever heard the name Mike Conception. Yeah. Yeah, like, I already got ties to Mike Conception. Mm. And apparently one of the rumors was that he was up there trying to get third base killed. Mm. Yeah. And then, like, they said they, over, they overheard one conversation. Like, he was like, them dudes ain't dead yet. I'm like, mm. shit. Yeah. Yeah, now that's that's crazy to think about that. The fact that he would say something like that to Hammer and now hearing the stories that I've heard about Hammer. So, you know, but maybe he was just too big. I was too big for Hammer to have to try to strike back on or something like that because, you know, he wasn't going to come back on him on wax. We know that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So maybe whatever Street Hammer stuff wasn't going to have to end up happening. But now that's that whole track to me is probably one of my favorites, probably one of my second or third favorites on this album, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like how he dissed three rappers on here and killed them all on the same song. You know what I'm saying? Three verse, one for you, one for yep. you, one for you. <laughs> Crush Modi, Hammer, and Ice T's curl. And curl. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things, man, is that when we talk about battle rappers, I think that, people don't necessarily talk about his disses and his battle rapping more than anything. Cause I think even like when we talked about what happened with cannabis, right? Cause we were both in high school when that happened mm-hmm. and how everybody was sort of talking about, you know, oh, cannabis out here fitting the fitting the crush LL. And then all it took really was one diss track for LL to come out with for the whole beef to pretty much be over. <laughs> and that was it. When he came back out with the Ripper stripes back against cannabis, I think everybody then sort of understood exactly what it is that LL could do. You know, like, don't mess with this dude. I remember telling dudes when I was in high school that they was like, yo, I said, yo, I'm telling you, don't don't sleep on this dude, LL. And a couple of dudes clown me. So then I remember when WPGC, when uh, the diss track came out, 
it was like number one on the <laughs> on like the, the top five or five or whatever it was the the countdown every night it was like number one for like five or six straight days <laughs> you know but people forget about that about ll man despite all the love song stuff and the you know yeah, the like, early stuff like nah he gets it in he does yeah, he's battle tested like he's, yeah he's thoroughly battled he's solidified with it so like mm-hmm. yeah people need to like you know what i'm saying fall back even, even now i'm pretty sure he hasn't like the lyrically whoop somebody's ass so like it's like yeah, Uncle breaks whoever wants to go at him. Yeah, like I saw when when he had that little that freestyle that he did, basically a acapella rap about the whole Black Lives Matter when he was talking about the whole thing about George Floyd, and you know he seemed emotional when he was doing it. And then you know Freddie Gibbs was on Instagram clowning him, talking about some man, this nigga need to shut the fuck up, like this nigga a cop, all types of stuff like that. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I rock with Freddie. I Gibbs, rock, I rock with Freddie. I do, but but it's like, all right, Freddie. It's like there's certain old school rappers that you don't need to go at. Hence, they might put you in their place. And mm-hmm. I think KRS One is one of them, and I think that LL is another one of them. So you know, you gotta. I'm like, all right, Freddie, <laughs> chill. <laughs> but nah. So there's our notable quotables, and now we're gonna get into the ultimate test. With us, is it a Certified classic, borderline classic, just a classic in its time, or is it not a classic at all? So, Jay, I turn it over to you. And what say you? Actually, you have to. I'm gonna have to say it's. I'm gonna have to say it's a certified classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I mean, it just it just like really, and it's kind of crazy. I'm saying. I mean, I don't say it's crazy. I'm saying that, but like, I mean, a person could argue like some of those beats sound kind of dated, but even then, you know, I still think they still will hold up in this time because you know. It's very much possible, like, you know, something like to be considered quote unquote old school to even hold up to now today's standards. And I think this album definitely did that, even with some of the beats sounding definitely like something that like you hear like late 80s, early 90s. I mean, so for it to, for it to hit that criteria, I, I got to give it a rating of a classic. Yeah. It's a certified classic for me as well. I mean, there's not, you know, any misses on here. Um, the production is exceptional. I think LL definitely reminded everybody who he was and what his capabilities were. A nice blend of lyrical tracks, nice blend of party tracks, of commercial radio success. And like you said, this was his comeback album. And it was a perfect combination to get him and Marley Mall together to do this. And as you said, yeah, the beats, they're early. It's an early 90s. It's a 1990s rap album. But like you said, a lot of them still stand up in this time. Listening to something like Boom and System and Around Away Girl and things like Mama's Gonna Knock You Out. I mean... <laughs> if you see about the amount of time that this album has been sampled by other people in their records, I mean, that also speaks to the the greatness and the staying power of it as well. The fact that other artists would sample this album in the decade and the decades after it came out. So that just sort of speaks to its staying power. And yeah, when you go into LL's catalog, it's a bit of a mixed bag afterwards. And, you know, if you go by the every other album thing, yes, he kind of, you know, had a miss and then a hit and then a miss and then a hit. And then later on, it was really like, okay, we're getting a few misses (laughs) all put together. But at that point in time, I think LL had solidified himself. And at that point, he was a big movie and also television star. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, he had he had not only just become a rap icon, he was also a pop culture and entertainment icon at that the focus may have not always been on the music but you know you definitely cannot dispute his legacy and his standing in the game and again i would love to see the 30 rappers in the list that they put before ll cool j before they got to the top 10 (laughs) because we need to dispute that and this album just sort of tells you 
the reason why you need to go ahead and put him up towards your 10 or 15 of greatest rappers all time with everything considered. Mama said, knock you out 30 years ago. And now there's a deluxe album in addition that's out. For those of you who check the album out digitally, you can actually check it, uh, get that on your electronic editions of this, where there's many remixes to of the songs that are on here. Definitely check them out. Some of the things that I listened to were pretty good. But now, 30 years afterwards, Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. Please make sure you go check it out wherever you get music and wherever you're able to listen to things. And if you listen to LL Cool J and you're a fan of his music, you definitely want to make sure you put this toward the top of your list of the albums you want to listen to. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure that you are checking us out on our new host, Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to any one of our social media pages, you can get to our link tree, which has all of our streaming sources and also all social media pages. Again, you can reach us on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast and you can get to us there. Subscribe to our YouTube, like our Facebook page, keep up with all of our updates. We usually post our episodes on our YouTube page a few days after the release on the streaming sources so that you can get another avenue of listening to us. Also, make sure you're reaching out to us on social media on those pages. On that link tree, you can get to the rest of our social media pages and interact with us. We love to hear from our fans. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that you tell that friend to tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.